Hip hop was a way out of a confinement. Mm. And it was a way out of someone else's premeditated version of my creative ability. So when I met hip hop, I met the possibilities of me as a dreamer and a visionary. And so when you carry this gift, you meet other visionaries with that same capacity to see outside the box. Yes. Puff Daddy, the Heavy Ds, the Mary J. Blige, the Jodeci's, the Andre Harrell. So it wasn't by chance. It was particularly a league of extraordinary people who were able to carry the baton when it was passed to them. What's up, everybody? My name is Brazil and welcome to my podcast. The following conversation is so powerful because it features somebody who has been a major contributor to culture. This person not only helped choreograph, creative direct, but literally shape the artist that you now know as Lady Gaga, Missy Elliott, Demi Lovato, Diddy, the Jonas Brothers, Nicki Minaj, so many of the biggest artists in culture were worked on by this woman. Her name is Lorianne Gibson. She is a force to be reckoned with, not only on the creative side, but on the business side too. So, you know, if you want to get inspired by somebody who's a doer, who's been in the game and who's going to continue to be in the game, then this is the interview you want to watch. So please take notes because you shared so much knowledge and uh, enjoy. This is a real, real good one with Lorianne Gibson. I think that for me, my brand is synonymous with passion and purpose. So there's never been anything that has just been transactional for me. And I think in the early stages of me developing my why, my style, my philosophy, I organically understood that I wanted to be connected to the art with a purpose and a why. And I think with certain artists, particularly Puffy, uh, that was very necessary in the artists that he collaborated with. Mm. Back um, when I first met him at a Heavy D audition, he had a silver briefcase and he handed me a business card and he said, hi, I am Puffy. I think that's what he said. <laughs> I'm the A&R of Uptown Records. And I, freshly off a bus from Toronto studying at Alvin Ailey, I was like, what's an A&R? And that started our relationship. Um, that was pre-Bad Boy days. That, that was, was when he was Uptown working for Andre Records. Harrell. Yeah, like, wow. exactly. Exactly. What was it like to be a part of that? Did you know it at the time that that was like a golden era of hip hop? No. Or is that something we look back on it now and say that? I think everyone that was there at Uptown and, you know, there's so many great people at that time that everyone was so effortlessly in their gift and what they did that we only knew that there was one option was to win. You know, I came from Toronto. Mm off a Greyhound bus. I didn't want to go home. There was no option for me to go home. Everyone was chasing a dream, a magnificent dream, a dream that was really about an original perspective. And I think it was like a band of incredible. It was like a culture of greatness. Yes. And the one thing that we never did was encourage each other to be like each other. We encouraged the uniqueness. And so as Puff was grinding and becoming Puff, Lorianne was grinding and becoming Boom Cag. So over the years and through the test of time, once my gift could endure every challenge, every creative obstacle, every artist, then over time you begin to develop 
a respect, loyalty, and friendship. Mm. But it comes through time, through trials and tribulations. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long term. Yeah. Game, you know? And at the end of the and day. And it took him that long to thank me. So <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> About time. <laughs> that part. Let's talk back in that era, uh-huh. in the early bad boy area, early just New York hip hop era. Mm-hmm. Um, were you around like the Rockefeller crew back then at all? Because I feel like Rocksteady and Mr. Wiggles and. Oh, no, I'm thinking Rockefeller, like Jay Z Rockefeller. Oh, okay. I'm thinking dance. So I was around both, yes. But first, uh, it was big. Right. And I was dancing for Mary J. Blige. And um, what was it like? Sorry to cut you off. Just like, because we all look back at that era now with Mm -hmm. such high regard of the birth of hip hop. I know hip hop was started before the 90s. But I mean, like just that era. I got into hip hop in the early 2000s and Mm -hmm. went back. You know what I mean? Like, I love Reasonable Doubt now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just imagining, like, when you were working with Mary J and, and, and meeting Puff and doing all these things, were you guys aware of how epic that was? Or was it just like, oh, we're just doing our thing? No, I think we were aware of the shoulders that we stood on at the time. I was aware of being the best dancer I could possibly be. So I came out of Alvin Ailey studying that, and then I went to a hip-hop audition, and to me— Hip-hop found me. I found a freedom and a liberation when I walked into a room and I first looked at the running man and I saw Darren Henson and and Mr. Wiggles and Rocksteady. And I started to understand that hip-hop was a way out of a confinement. Mm. And it was a way out of someone else's premeditated version of my creative ability. So when I met hip-hop, I met the possibilities of me as a dreamer and a visionary. And so when you carry this gift, you meet other visionaries with that same capacity to see outside the box. Yes. Puff Daddy, the Heavy Ds, the Mary J. Blige, the Jodeces, the Andre Harrell. So it wasn't by chance. It was particularly a league of extraordinary people who were able to carry the baton when it was passed to them. Yeah. And that's how we built Uptown. Then we went to Bad Boy. But each artist— was specifically designed to do them, you know? I feel like hip-hop is that, the liberation of truth and the ability to be that in yourself, you know, versus versus like Googling something and being a mimic of something or trying to be what you think it is. So I walked into an era where if you weren't really who you said you were, (laughs) then you were quickly disposed of. Yeah. Uh, did you ever use the term um, selling wolf tickets back in the day? No. No? Oh, man. I always try to get people with old school New York slang. I guess that one wasn't one. Must have slipped me. I was true and tried to a dancer's journey, you okay. know? Okay. I was very much always a dancer, wanted to be the best. I definitely have a true story of a dancer turned choreographer, turned creative director, turned creative visionary. Yeah. Now, when you were... St- doing that era, there mm-hmm. weren't really hip-hop classes, technically. Because you said you were going to Alvin Ailey. That's mm-hmm. a contemporary school, right? Right. So then were you guys essentially making up hip-hop dance? Because, I mean, there was breakdancing before that. Well, it came out the club, obviously, and it was about crews, and it was about who you were connected to. Right. So there was Big Les. There was Darren Henson. Uh, there was a group called Shades, and it was— uh, Randy, Keith, and Omar, and they originally made up If. And so then you were dancing in the club, and then you were dancing with your crew. So it was really 
hip-hop, you know, Scoop and Scrap. Like, it was dancers and it was crews. It wasn't like a studio, you go take a hip-hop class. It was like you had to go to a club and you had to learn to groove at night. You know, they used to call me 6040 because I'd jump in the circle and I wasn't authentic because I'd start doing pirouettes and kicks. And everybody like, nah, nigga, that ain't hot. Yeah, that was my nickname. I was 60% hip hop, 40% trained. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But you had to pick it up. You had to pick the culture up. It was a, a real, real expression space. Yeah. of the lifestyle. Yes, a At what point percent. did it start leaving the club and becoming real classes that you guys are teaching? At what point did you guys say the style that we're getting from the club is now going to become a thing that we take across America? I think the same way MCs took to the pop charts is the same way hip-hop dancers and the way that we heard the music. Because it's not about the step. It's where you put the step. Mm. It's the pocket. It's not. And so... When what was authentic about hip-hop hit mainstream, you couldn't help but feel it. Right. And it felt different. Yeah. So we had to fight for that respect against the technical dancers. Early technical dancers didn't like us. Of course, I was a hybrid of both. Right. So that's where I began to understand my language as a choreographer because I couldn't take the training out of what I felt from hip-hop. So I started to create a hybrid. But, um, a hybrid of like formal dance training into hip-hop movement. Yes. So it's when I moved was more or less based in a more technical approach. Right. Without not being authentic to the actual hip-hop pocket. But you were thrown into the hip-hop industry side of it pretty quickly, yeah. right? Yeah. So then what happened with Alvin Ailey? I left because I felt more at home when mm. I found hip-hop. It was the way I wanted to speak. My body wanted to speak. I realized I didn't want to be in a modern company. I realized when I went to Alvin Ailey, it wasn't that I wanted to be an Alvin Ailey. It's that I wanted to be like an Alvin Ailey. Right. I went in search of how do I speak my own language. So for me, Ailey actually birthed the creator in me, the choreographer in me. It wasn't about being the dancer. It was about understanding how to become the visionary. So it was like the seed of the vision, right? Like, yeah. Because it was an like example. Like I thought you I saw, wanted to yeah. in the second company, but then I was like, oh, no, no, no. I just wanted to understand how Alvin spoke through his movement. Did and you even have an idea of what hip-hop choreography could be prior to coming to New York? Was no. that even on your radar? No, it was not on was my radar. Was the music on your radar? No, a little bit, <laughs> yes. Because when I was young, I went and my sister, who's older than me, I went to see Houdini. And I was so blown away by this show and yeah. the idea of it. And obviously Sugar Hill Gang and the poetry. And so, yeah, it was in my house because I was like okay. black and but at, beautiful. But choreography for hip hop, was that, was that even considered a p potential job for you? I didn't understand it uh, as you understand it now. But for me, a dancer back then— didn't know a category. There was no categories. There was no lanes. It was either you could dance or you couldn't. Mm. So yes, there was something that was authentic to the streets and to hip hop when we started to have the opportunity to perform on bigger stages like rappers, MCs. And once hip hop became pop and it took over the culture period, right. then the dance, which was so much a part of hip hop, you're talking about first it was the DJ, right? It was the break beat. Then it was the MC over the, the graffiti, break beat. Right. Then it was tell them how to dance to it. So it was scoob and scrap. So it was always synonymous with hip hop, right. the dancers, right? And so as the art form grew, so did the dance, right? And so, the industry for it. And the industry so for it. To be able to yeah. make a living. Now, did yeah. your family, were they supportive? Did they know that you were doing this? Why didn't you say, hey, I'm going to stop 
<laughs> my nephew is in the building. <laughs> no, um, no. The one thing that my family told me, my mother, who is a super powerful woman, the one thing she always instilled in me was to follow my dream, but to seek the highest level of training within that category and to train so that once I was able to take that opportunity that I could support my dream and be the best version of myself. So as long as you made that happen. I had to perfect my craft. That was the requirement. What was your your family life growing up? Were they supportive of the arts pre that? Like were they... They were artistic, but no, there was no singer or dancer or there was no roadmap (laughs) in my family. It was like... My parents are Jamaican, so it was like, boy, Larian likes to dance. So I had to dance at every party. I had to perform at every party. I used to have a box in the basement, and my father had his speakers down there. He was heavily into music, um, Jamaican, reggae music, R&B music. Music was definitely in my house. Right. It was culturally Rhythms. in the it house. It was culturally in my house, and it was at a high level because my father was a music connoisseur. Mm. So he would have his records and his speakers, and he only liked the best speakers, yes. the best sound. So sound was early very important to me, the way I heard the records. Right. So he had sort of like a man cave, and apparently I built this box in his man cave, and I used to dance in and out the box, and they would say, what are you doing in the box? And I was told that I said, I'm birthing myself into the world. And so they never got rid of the box. They let me dance in and out the box till I decided that I had birthed myself. But then later- You said you were birthing yourself yes, into the world. Yes, I was birthing myself That's into the world. Quite the and thing then to say. <laughs> mountains of years later, when I had heard Born This Way from Lady Gaga, I was like, oh, I want to birth a race within a race, a race that could not hate. And so then obviously- I was obsessed with prosthetics, and then I put her in the egg. So I realized that that little girl dream of the box was actually what was translated years later into my concept of birthing an artist into the world. That's amazing. Now, when did you transition from being a choreographer to a creative director? I was dancing for Mary J. Blige, and um, when I hear music, I see it instantly. So... It was very painful because it was like at the height of, I think, the second Mary album. And like you said, there was not necessarily any real choreographers in hip hop. It was just whoever could make up the step. Right. Whoever. Right? Yeah. You got four of those, eight of these, keep it moving, 10 of these, right? It was right. a collaboration. But then um, I started to have a deeper insight into the movement and I wanted to stage it. Then I wanted to give it a story. Then I wanted to give it a different melody. So I realized that was me as a choreographer wanting to tell a different story with the hip hop movement. So I said, Mary, can I can I choreograph the whole show? She And they didn't know what that was at Uptown, but Andre Harrell was like, yes, get her show together. It's very organic, very real. And so I was very instrumental in working with two guys who I love, Punch and Goofy and Juicy Joyce and Keith and Randy and Omar and then Eddie Morales later. A lot of people that you guys might know. And 
I made the girls put on character shoes. And then I created stage left and stage right. And then we only had enough money on Mary's first tour for these stairs that sat in the center around the band. And those stairs became the stoop front. They became the hill. They became the corner. They were the mountain. They became every imaginary thing. Yes. In the way that I told the story of Mary J. Blige. And everyone believed it. So her show was actually super magical the first time I choreographed it because as a choreographer, you have to teach each dancer how to buy into the vision. Mm. So it was early, but everybody believed that those stairs were what they were for going down, coming out of it. You remind me, real love. I staged like 30 minutes with this one set of staircase. And looking back on that, I remember Puff was like, oh my God, her show was so amazing. So I started to see that I was capable of choreographing, even though I was traumatized. Everyone calls himself a choreographer now. I was so scared to call myself a choreographer because of the ones that came before me. Mm. So I took so long. I used to be like, no, I'm not a choreographer yet. I'm just a dance captain. Right, because you respected the role. You respected so the much. position. Exactly. Yeah. And once I understood that I had something to say with the way that I positioned movement and created a melody as opposed to just steps, then I began to understand that I had a specific ability to choreograph. Yeah, because it's not just a job title. It's like yeah. you saw something that needed to happen with That's the tour. Right. You had a vision. And, and hip hop you- was young, so it didn't have that type of conversation. So when I came into the game, it just wasn't street dancers doing eight running man for Roger <laughs> Rabbits, you know what I mean? And right. breakbeat, it was a ballet. And yes. I came from a ballet, so I understood how to put a beginning, middle, and an end to the story. And I like the the concept you're saying about the stairs. Because as a kid, if you grew up in the stoop, you know what I mean? Like you in the knew fun, exactly what it was. You have so many yeah. imaginary things exactly. that happen there. And you can exactly. just bring that, that childlike imagination to the stage. Yeah. I still have that childlike imagination. Gotta keep it, right? It's my secret weapon. Now, you said you see music. Do you have synesthesia? I don't know what that is. It's a word I guess people, they use for whenever we like... Like for me, like when I hear certain sounds, they sound like a white flash. Or to me, like to me, I feel like I hear music and they give me directions of camera yeah. movements. Of, yeah. I see editing and yeah. camera movements. Do you see music yeah. in a, like, do you see colors? Do you see? I see a lot of things. I see places. I see original perspectives. I see different elements. Yeah, right. I guess that I never knew that they had a name for it. Yeah. Uh, there's a scientific name. I guess there's some people that specifically see every time they hear a sound, it sounds red or whatever or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if it's proven I think or not, it's a but... combination. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't like to put a name to it. I call it my magic. But <laughs> I definitely, uh, I only recently started hearing music late in my career. What does that mean? Means I would see it. Oh, and then after my muscle got really strong, I started to understand how to implement hearing it. Oh, okay. See, what what I appreciate about your story is that you're talking about expanding your identity, right? First, you came just to be an Alvalent dancer. Mm-hmm. Then you start dancing with the hip hop, you know, crews, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then it was like, no, let me choreograph. Yes, but it's almost like the vision was speaking through you. Yeah. It is. It's your gift. Right. And I'm very uh, much a believer in everyone's talents that are God-given. And that through the understanding of those talents, then your purpose must be fulfilled. 
but it is part of your why and it has a definite course and character and rhythm and uh, it produces something legitimately that's attached to that individual. Where do ideas come from? They come from the why for me. It's never random for me. If I have an idea, I'm very much rooted in the why or the purpose. I'm not just going to do something for money, even though, yes, I like to be paid yes. clearly and I, I'm worth it. But it must be rooted in a why in order for me to paint or to create, right? So what's at the core of an artist or a movie or a commercial is the underbelly of how I want it to affect the world. And that's what drives the story. Got it. So it's like you connect to the purpose of that particular project. Whatever right? it is. If you just want to make the world have a good time, if there's substance in everything. If you are without substance, I don't judge you. If you are doing something and it's very mechanical and you just want to make money and you want to add ingredients to uh, manufacture something or falsely create the idea of something, I generally might not be the person for you, right? right? If it's very robotic or if you check boxes. For me, everyone is unique in their own way and every job is original. So I never bring to another artist what I did for someone else or I never bring to another project what worked somewhere else. So that's where you have to learn how to migrate through the business and the options and what really is right. meant for you and where you can excel. But where do you think they come from? Like what? Like when you had the vision like for what to do with Mary J or for mm -hmm. any of these, where are the ideas before they're in your head? You kind of get where I'm trying, I'm trying to see? The ideas, like, yeah, no. The ideas come from God ultimately with everything I believe that the inspiration comes from the purpose, which is God, comes from ultimately wanting to affect humanity in a really positive way. That's how I'm wired. So it definitely comes from someplace. It comes from the source of your why. Meaning I'm connected to ultimately having my art affect people yes. in a positive way. Yes. That's me. That's, That's my why. choice. Right? Mm -hmm. So that purpose is going to dictate the ideas and the inspiration. Meaning if you come to me, I will never be able to produce you wanting to make people feel insecure or make people feel like you're a ruler and they're beneath you. Right. That doesn't connect with your why. Doesn't connect with my gift. Yes. Because my why is still ultimately sometimes separate from my gift. How do you defer those two? How do you my separate? gift operates legitimately for another person as well as it operates for me. So I could do that because I'm capable because I'm that right. good. Right? <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like you could use this hammer to build the table or you could use it to like smack somebody in the head That's that correct. you're just not willing to. Got I'm not right. <laughs> That's it. right. <laughs> That's right. It seems like you were always this visionary and you were just growing into it. Did you feel it? Did you know it? I think that's a good, a good question because you know the feeling. Um, and I did write a book earlier this year 
and I'll give it to you. But you know the feeling. And for me, there are steps to it becoming and to you being. So yes, earlier on, I knew when it wasn't in alignment with the feeling that I had of the bigness. You know what I'm saying? I had a feeling as an artist. It should feel a certain way. Yeah, I knew that there were big stages. I knew that there was big impact. But I didn't know exactly how it would manifest. Mm. You just had this feeling that— I had a feeling of the end, or I have a feeling of where I am now, or I have a feeling of it still, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, I call, the capacity. So when you have the capacity to do a lot of your vision or to diversify your vision, then it's usually attached to a feeling, right? So if I just wanted to be someone's choreographer, that's it. That was all the gift, the gifting that I had. Huge gifting. Then I feel as though I would have opened up on that level. But there was more for me to deliver. Mm. Not only was I to choreograph, but I was to direct and create the narrative and then produce it, right? Not everybody has those gifts. Right. So once you understand how much capacity you have, then you allow yourself to evolve. It never really stops. Yes, I but feel it, you. And I wouldn't be mad to just be like, right? There's nothing wrong with right. Oh, she's level yeah. You're at, if yeah. you're gonna stop and be so and so's choreographer, and that's good for you for 25 years, mm. then you're gonna have that capacity, and you're gonna own it, and it's gonna open up. And it would align sideways. with that person. Yes, it's gonna vibration. open up and reach this way across, out, and across. But for me, it was up, 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 and out and across, and up, 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 and out and across every level. I feel you. I, I, I feel you that understand. as well. I, I really yeah. do. Because I was asking where ideas come from. Because a lot of times I think that like ideas want to be born and they like pick people as like gifts. And then this person, like I have a desire, to, like this podcast, for example, right? Like I love culture. And I just have this feel like I'm always thinking about the creative culture. I was like, you know what? I want to tell these stories. Right. It, just, it felt like it chose me to birth well, these stories. Well, you're a storyteller, whether yeah. you're doing the podcast or you're directing right. or you're creating the opportunity for the story to be told. Yeah. Ultimately, storytellers are irreplaceable and super magical because they're open to the story. Yes. And how you tell it will just be what version of yourself is implemented with that particular story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, my, my motivation for asking you that is because I really like seeing artists expand, you know? And it seems like every time you mention expanding, it doesn't feel like it was forced from the outside looking in. It feels like that was just the natural next thing for you to contribute to. Well, it's right? also— Like you saw things that you were called right? to, able to, and wanted to. And you aligned with is what maybe I'm projecting all this. No, 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 but no, no, no. You're right. It's just the idea of it comes through preparation and it comes through producing it. You know, a lot of people think it's just, oh, if I attach this title to me, and then if I attach this to me, and then if I attach that to me, I'll be. Mm. No, it's a really painful process to go through something as a dancer and want to dance, want to dance, but then be 
open to a narrative that's requiring you to stop dancing for a little bit so now you can be respected to be the choreographer. So you have to understand when to be selfless in order to gain that confirmation, in order to gain access to what that really is. You mentioned the word painful a couple times. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Okay, great. What were some moments that you would care to share that were like deep lessons? I'm sure that it's filled with it, but what yeah. were deep painful lessons or sacrifices that you think were like imperative to your journey? I, I know we all have them, but it's like, what, what's the Yeah, I to think you? for me, a lot of the pain comes through being misunderstood or having to stand alone until that actual dream is realized or the opportunity has manifested. Because sometimes if you are a visionary, then you carry the vision for another artist. Mm -hmm. So you carry it while nobody else believes. So it's painful when you're being laughed at or when you're the only one carrying the vision and you're being consistent with that role. And then it works. And then... Then everybody's like, oh, I know you can do it. But you're like, really? <laughs> or now you're dealing with the backlash of being the one who is able to create and the oppressive uh, behavior because now nobody wants you to think that you're, don't, don't think you're good. Right. Don't think you are who you know you are. Go back down because now we want to own that. Yes. And that has to operate the way we want it to operate. And you're like, no, 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 there's still more. I promise you. I can see more. I can see more. That's like part of the war of art. Not mm -hmm. the art of war, but the war of art, right? Of wanting to, yeah. to be all you can be, which takes collaborating with people mm -hmm. and working with power structures to some degree. But then mm -hmm. sometimes they want to clamp you down and say, no, yeah. you're just this. Well, because not everyone mm -hmm. has vision. And I learned that as well, meaning that's part of our gift. So when you walk into a room and you have to pitch the vision, there are people who actually can't see what you're pitching. Mm. They don't have that ability. So now you have to deal with people who either trust that process or understand that you can be held accountable if it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Right. It's a lot of risk taking. There. And I've built that muscle to never, ever not have it work. Are there particular, not like, I'm not asking you to call out names or anything, but are there like specific kinds of examples of challenges or or like oppressive systems, like you said, that specifically you want to share? Because I'm hoping to extract out of this how you overcame some of these things. Because you've been around such a change of the industry and, you, and you're still on top. Like you're, That's right. you're so highly regarded and I feel like you're just getting started. I am. I feel like there's so much more on this next chapter, right? So it's a constant, it reminds me of kind of like Kanye's energy back when he was saying like, you know, he wants to do fashion. I remember Charlemagne was like, we don't want to hear fashion. We just right. want to hear your music. You know what right. I mean? He's like, no, I'm telling y'all. And it's like, right. I'm telling you guys, I'm more than just a producer. I'm more yeah. than just a rapper. I'm yeah. more than just this, right? right. And, it's, and that's like a, a war that we have with expanding identity. Yeah. So I want to, I want to hear more about that. I think it's because… People tend to, you know, um, judge success based on systems. And systems are built based on what came before mm. a visionary or before a system breaker, which is what I call myself. A based system breaker? Yes. What's the next system that you want to break? I'm continually breaking systems. But… Um, I am definitely breaking the system of the ignorance behind a dancer and choreographer, creative director, 
what we really do, how we influence music, pop culture, what we really look like versus what the title looks like. Meaning the amount of contribution you guys actually have. The people that really have the contribution, not just the idea of it. Yeah. Mm. And so because it's misunderstood, therefore it's easier for versions of it to take a seat at a table, you know, because people are like, oh, I know, that's the idea of a choreographer. Nah, that's not really what we are either. You know what I mean? Um, So. What change do you want to see happen with dancers? I think I came from, obviously, you talk about the Nicholas brothers, you talk about Gregory Hines, you talk about Debbie Allen, you talk about a multitude of greatness that when they move, they're incredible without even opening their mouth, right? And you talk about um, the influence that we have on how people experience music, right? Um, And then, yes, there is a ignorance to how you monetize that or how you empower that and why you should learn to collaborate with it and continue to build it versus leave it where you found it. What do you mean? Are you talking when about it's like familiar, culture vultures? Yeah. No, it's like it's familiar for you to write a song with a producer, right? And right. you get a hit record and then you continue that relationship. Or you empower that producer to do more, produce more, receive and they more. Have points. And that yes. Yeah. But beyond the points, our why is still miscommunicated, right? Because it's not everybody. You would have to really know how you impact an artist and impact that creativity. And that has to be something that's super consistent. And the evidence of that has to be really, really truly legitimate. And um Sounds like you're saying that choreographers should be cut into more of the ownership of the art because you guys have such a role. It depends. Yes, I'm saying that, but you're also saying it for me. For example, if it's from the beginning before they've even cut a record, then the idea of that, yes, definitely a big part of that brand and the why. So that's a unique situation, but in trying to communicate that and have an understanding of it, then it'll get better and better and better and better. It's not just a conversation um, where somebody might have three albums out and then it's really about from the in beginning stage, the idea of the choice of you made, of the record you recorded. Yes. Um, I very early did a few deals at record labels like Motown and Interscope where I was considered a visual A&R. And I tried very early to change the conversation and the narrative. So I'm still trying to change the conversation (laughs) and the narrative. But yeah. Because if we don't claim that, then they won't get… People don't just give credit and power away. You kind of have to take it. That's right. You have to break the system. What inspires you? Because you contribute so much. What contributes to you when you need a refill? I love seeing my artist fly. I love seeing it happen. What is it? 
it's different for every single situation, but I love seeing it become alive and it becoming real. Yes, that is energizing. It's like a creative orgasm. Yeah, when you, it when also it's, when exists it's past yes. you. It goes on past you, but you've influenced it and it continues to impact past you. Isn't that awesome? That something that could be so near and dear to your heart that you could make like, you know, in a rehearsal room can then transfer to people all over the world. Exactly. And continue to translate. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, it used to be back in the day before electricity, if somebody had a great dance somewhere, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> somebody played a great record or said a funny joke, it lived and died in that room. But now we get to relive these moments. Yeah. Right? Like I'm still jamming things now that are from like decades ago. Yeah, but also because they were made with the right intention. Yeah. Yeah. What's your intention now? Um, it's always what it has been. Uh, the truth of the the mission, whatever that mission is artistically. Yeah, but what's your mission? Uh, you. Mine? Yeah. Because I get it that you, you connect to the I truth. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'll give me your you. next business plan. But like for you, like, 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 what, like what's driving you? You personally. Oh my God. Uh, th- what's driving me is a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot's driving me. Such as? <laughs> <laughs> next question. What's driving you? What's driving me yeah. right now? Oh, I, I could tell you all about tell that. Tell me. Um, well, these last two years have been my best business years ever. Okay. Where I feel like I'm finally doing okay financially to take care of my family. Oh, nice. Because yeah. I've never cared so much about the money. I want to do the art. But now that I have the money and my dad went to prison, now I'm like helping my mom take care of the family. Nice. And that's giving me a bigger reason. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I could make money to take care of them? Right. It's way bigger because I don't need that much. Right. I'm cool just hanging out with my dog and going to the skate park, you know? Mm-hmm. But now that I have a reason, they're like, oh, I could buy my mom. Like the fact that I could buy my mom a house is way more exciting than buying my own house yeah, at this agreed. point in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like my first 10 years in LA were practice. And now I'm like really getting in the zone. Like yeah. I'm really nice. getting in right. the zone. Like Good. if you saw like the, the Kanye genius documentary, mm-hmm. did you see that? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm where he was at pre-college dropout. Like I'm like, right. Like I'm, I'm like, I've created so much stuff for other people that I'm like. Yeah. You could identify with that. Ooh, I'm starting season. to have a message. Yeah. Finding my voice. Yeah, good. You know, for the yeah. last 12 years, I've done stuff for all kinds of companies and artists. And I feel like I was mostly doing what I was hired to do and throwing a little bit of me in there. But I was a people pleaser for most of it, mm-hmm. you know? But then when I got into psychedelics and started like doing <laughs> some self-love work, then I was like, wait a minute, I got a message. Yes. <laughs> you know? Now it's like, I want to put, that's why I'm talking to Beautiful. you today. I love I that. Because I love the culture. Yeah, yeah I exactly. really do. I feel like, good. like I can buy new equipment now all the time. Like I'm just buying new lenses and new cameras and new stuff. And I have a team that can support me. That's you right. Know, we have a staff, we have that's an office. Right. It's like, yeah. Yes. I feel like I'm finally getting to the point to where I can really start creating. Right. Like Beautiful. basically by next year, I want to throw away everything on my reel and be like, no, I have so much new stuff. That's Beautiful. so much better. Like Beautiful. one day in the future, I want to direct like the Jay-Z life story biopic. Nice. That's the kind of feature film I want right. to do. Right. You know, Beautiful. I'm setting myself up for that. Right. You know, and um, I don't know, like I feel like now it's, the game's really getting started. Mm-hmm. Creatively, I've always done good. Right. But now it, I'm financially doing better too, which That's is like, good. yeah. Woo! Yeah, no, it's amazing, it's right? It's like, like, I can invest, yes. I can pay my friends. I'm not yeah. borrowing time from people. You right. know what I mean? It's like… Seasons. Ah, I'm yeah. excited. Good. I am like, there's so much creativity coming through me. I, I'm a visionary as well. I see yeah, so much I want to build now. And now it's like, 
I'm, I'm it's juiced. Unstoppable. Yeah, that's good. I feel good. so juiced right now. I'm you know? so happy. It's, I'm finally at a place where I can turn down gigs. Beautiful. Finally. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gigs that have more budgets than I, I used to dream of. And now I can be like, oh, I don't even like that song. Right. What? <laughs> <laughs> what a feeling is that? I've had to do so many music videos for songs I didn't fully but like. You learned but you learned in that circumstance, right? And you and and a lot of people would have given up when they had to do something they didn't like. Yeah. But you stayed in there so that your craft could perfect itself for this opportunity. So yeah. it's like I feel like it's very important to make sure behind the messaging is the idea of the work that it takes to be able to produce the next season, right? Yes. You did so many videos that you didn't like. A lot of people would never have been consistent through that trial mm. to understand what it is that you want to do or what you are really here to do. Yes. You know, they just will give up or want it in a false way or not yeah. have the endurance to persevere through what, it requires for you to become who it is you need to become. But I, but you said the word endure. You know, my mom is a ballet dancer mm -hmm. and she graduated when she was like 14 and flew to Europe on a one-way ticket to audition mm -hmm. for a ballet company. Yeah. And then she became uh, Juliet and Romeo and Juliet in the Stuttgart Ballet back then, right? So like I come Beautiful. from a, my family didn't have a lot of money, but they were creatively mm -hmm. like going for Visionaries. it. Visionaries. You know, mm -hmm. and I know that art is an endurance sport. Mm -hmm. You have mm -hmm. to love it. Because there's times where you're in a studio till two or three in the morning, and it's not, you know what I mean? If you don't find joy in it, that's like if you're stuck in traffic, right. might as well enjoy traffic. If I'm in traffic, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, right. call some friends, listen right. to comedy. I'm Utilize gonna make it, it. a useful traffic, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know? And um, and I love creating so much. Like to me, Christmas, I buy new gear, I listen to yeah. I go to new seminars. It's like I, I, I think the community of artists to me feels like the high school experience I never had. Yeah. Because I moved around so much as a kid. I never got to have, I went to a different school every year my whole life. Mm. Never got to have consistent friends. So I just got used to just making friends quickly and having friends all over the world. Yeah, but that's but why you're the, good at this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The art world is that world for yeah. me now, you mm -hmm. know? And now I'm just, I feel so alive. Like there's that thing right behind that door. I don't know. It's right behind that door. There's this sheet. I'll, I'll bring it out at the end. But it has, um, it's the weeks of your life. And it has a circle for each week and a row for each year. And it's assuming you live to be 88. It has 80. It's one sheet of paper. It's all the weeks of your life. And every week, I just go, knock another one off. I'm like, yo, this, this clock is ticking. <laughs> like, you know, like we're going to die regardless. So between now and then, I want to contribute and consume as much as I can, as much love Beautiful. and joy. Yeah. Like it's exactly like I get energized talking about this That's stuff. Right. There's a Jay-Z line where he says, um, nothing wrong with my aim. Just got to change the target. That's right. Right. Yeah. It goes to say that it's like, you know, Wherever energy focus goes, energy flows, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I've already accomplished so much that it's like, wait a minute, why don't I just change what I want to accomplish? Instead of achieving to be happy, I want to happily achieve. I, right. want, to, I want it to be a delicious process yes, of yummy. endurance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it, this makes me so happy. Right. Well, I, I love connecting with yeah. it, you know? And, and I love the opportunity. That's where I'm at. That's why I like asking these questions. It's because like, you've endured so much in the yes, game. Yes, I have. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm inspired by you. I want to create with you in the future, you know? So it's like, I, I love taking the, the, this energy and celebrating it, you know? Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I think the vision of the podcast is now. It's like celebrating creative culture. I think that's very encouraging and necessary because— it is uh, 
a process. And sometimes when you don't stop to realize how good you've done or the impact that you have, and then you're out of balance as well. So, you know. That's that's what I'm working on now as well. Yeah. I feel like these last two years have been so good growth-wise that I was still emotionally addicted to being in survival mode. Yeah, exactly. That even though I'm doing better financially, I was still like, take it on everything. I was like, yeah. no, I don't. I can say yeah. no to stuff. And yeah. I was like, oh. This is amazing. Yeah. And then learning to upgrade my self-identity, right? Like That's last right. year, I directed Disney commercials, mm-hmm. right? We shut down the Disney parks in Orlando. And it was like, oh, wow, I guess I am a real director now. Like, it's so weird. Like, I've been directing for the longest time. But it's like, then you do these things that validate you. And That's you think right. it's going to be this big thing. Then you do it. And you're like, oh, it's just a bunch of dudes with laptops. Yeah, like, exactly. it's like, it's the same shit we do here, just there, you know? Right. So it's like, oh, I can do this for real. Like, and right. my belief of it keeps expanding, That's you know? right. Yeah, so that's… Powerful. That's what we're about. Yeah, it's powerful. (laughs) Oz, pull the curtain back. (laughs) What made you want to write a book? Uh, COVID hit. And um, I was working with my nephew on a few things. And then someone said you should write a book. And I said, oh, well, we actually wrote an outline uh, for a dance movie that I was writing after um, I directed Gaga, HBO, Emmy-nominated director. I wanted to figure out how to tell a dance story. So we were working on the outline, and then someone said, you should write a book. So I gave them the outline, and they loved it. And then they wanted to publish but I didn't want to obviously do anything autobiographical because I have so much life to live. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a book um, inspired by the journey called Dance Your Dance, uh, Eight Steps to Unleash Your Passion and Live hey. Your Dream. I brought you one. Super oh, thank amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we'll get the we'll touch out of it there. Yeah. Blam. Dance Your Dance. Well, that's and an awesome photo too. It is based on a lot of uh, situations and the perfecting of you understanding steps to being, which yes. is where you are now. You're being. Yes. You're not trying to perfect someone else's version of your dance. But you're dancing your dance. Yeah. It's breadcrumbs, I call it. I dig it. You know, because it takes a minute to find what your dance is. That's right. You know, I was watching, there's a great show on National Geographic called Genius. Have you seen it? Mm -mm. It's their first narrative series. And each season, like season one was about Einstein, season two was about Picasso. Mm -hmm. And it's like 10 episodes. From like the beginning of his life to the end of their life. It's brilliant. shot. Ron Howard directed it. It was great. Oh, nice. And on the Picasso one, what I didn't realize is that for like the first half of his career, he was broke and getting paid to do other people's styles. Mm-hmm. He was just like a copycat artist. He's like, give me a portrait in the style of such and such or whatever, right? And then he got so frustrated with that that eventually he was like, fuck this. <sighs> I'm going to do it my way. I'm yeah. going to paint your face and it was like then he developed yeah. his style his and it's frustration like, led him to his victory yes yeah. yes it, it's nice to see that see the arc that that we all kind of need to go through that there's a pro I think that when you first learn to play the piano you play other people's songs 
right? And then yeah. eventually you, you learn so much of it that you just play yeah. your own yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. But there's still a process in doing that versus Picasso was still Picasso when he was doing it. He was just having to frustrate himself enough to be, you know, and it's different time for everyone. People feel that if you mimic something, then you will be able to do something. That's not necessarily the case. So mm. now you have a culture of people who think that if you mimic, you will be able to produce. And that is not true, right? Yeah. So, um, you can't fake the funk. That part. But there will be a stage where you have to have some training wheels. Right. And you have to seek the information or the education or the internship or the knowledge. But again, it goes back to one's capacity. And if they only do it and they assist one time and then they feel like they can do it themselves, well, that is the impact that you will have. But a Picasso knew that his impact was clearly massive. So you have to understand how to stay in the process. I talk about uh, greatness is in the process. You have to know how to stay in the process and it will produce an original perspective. You talked about frustration. Mm -hmm. I think there's a hidden power there, right? I think a lot of times we don't let ourselves get frustrated enough to do anything. I think the worst place to be is like lukewarm in the middle. Yeah, right? that's right. Because most people aren't super happy, but they're not unhappy enough to do anything about it. That lukewarm middle will just keep you in that loop. Well, in that's that system, who they in are. The matrix. And that's okay if that's who you are. Or it could just be how they're vibrating. SMS right? capacity they have. The problem comes when there is a false identity or a false perception of that lukewarm ground, right? When the mediocrity is what's praised. And the greatness or the capacity to establish that is not so much because it means the majority can't really reach that potential. You mean like how on TikTok people are just doing little bedroom dances and blowing up? I think that it's great that they're blowing up. I think that you're crazy when you think you can get a choreographer to create an impactful show if all they've done is TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll know how to give you a movement that's impactful for 30 seconds. Just be doing the, the elbow shrug Or thing, just the idea of the movement. It yeah. can't impact a 30-minute show. There's a technique and there's a process to that. So that's what I think. But I'm not going to be mad at the TikTok person. Yeah. I'm going to be mad at the person trying to make the TikTok person Something that they're do not. what Boom Cack does. Right. There's a difference. A massive difference. You There's won't become vision. the greatest artist in the world. <laughs> Tell him. So speaking of greatest artists in the world, you did a lot of work with Gaga. Mm -hmm. What was that ride like? How'd you meet her? What, when you first met her, what was she like? I mean, it's a definitely an interesting ride, but it's, uh, what was she like? You did work with her kind of since the beginning, right? We're talking well, about I was the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So what was she like? She was, had brown hair and we were both very, uh, I just got in a big fight with Puff Daddy on making the band. So I quit. And then um, a gentleman called me and he said that Vincent Herbert was his name. And he said, 
can you meet with this girl? Uh, she just got dropped from a label and a friend of mine did her music and nobody knows what to do with her. And I was doing Alicia Keys at the time, so I wasn't clearly <laughs> right. not successful, right? But you'll never hear sometimes the truth. And uh, then I met with her, and um, I heard a record that she played for me, and then I saw it, and I began to… Was it like a demo? Um, it was a demo. It was… What stuck out about it? You could just feel it? You were just like… No, mm. it was the story in the lyrics that created the world that she lives in and that the monsters live in and that the idea to fight against the oppression and to be strong based on your uniqueness right. and your awkwardness and all those things began to uh, play a role in the world that I was building. So how did that professional relationship start? Because you said she wasn't signed at that point. She was like yeah, about she to be was signed. Not signed. Kind of no, no, no. There was no signing. She got signed after we worked together. I worked for free for two years and building for the For free creative. for two years? Yeah. Well, yeah. When you don't get paid, that's what working for free is. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so captivated by our uh, love and friendship and… The ability to have someone that believed in me as a visionary as much as I believed in her. So we were like two broken birds, but I believed in her more than she believed in herself. Mm. And I needed her to believe in me <laughs> more than I believed in myself. It's like a symbiotic so relationship. It was incredible. Yeah. 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 And that's how. Um, how did it we, feel when she got signed? Well, we were happy, but then the work began on a whole nother level. Yeah. Mm. The signing wasn't the breaking point. We definitely went beyond just the signing and beyond the traditional music uh, path and artist and muse and collaboration. And we broke the system in a really great way. What was your, like, your creative process with her like? Was it like, you know, she gives you rough drafts of songs? No, you guys no, talk no, no. About no, it no, 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 no. The development was before the hit records. Right. So their answer, there's your answer right there. Mm. There's some artists that I have collaborated on a very creative level of artist development, which is what I was inspired by even before the choreography is well. But for those who don't know, what is artist development? What was your artist? So what does that for mean? me, I was at Uptown Records and obviously working with Mary and Andre Harrell. Right. I was obsessed with Motown Records and the building of Motown Records. And there was a gentleman there by the name of Charlie Atkins, who's no longer with us, but he was the original mm -hmm. artist development. So at Motown, Barry Gordy had a system that really is what pop music is now, you know, mimicked off of where they would go in the studio, record the record, go to their dance lesson, go to their vocal Razzie lesson. Brazilito yes. giving love oh, to everybody. Judge love. Yes, oh, you picked okay, the right okay, one, okay. Brazi. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. He's happy. <laughs> he knows the magic is here. <laughs> 
so Barry had almost like a, Barry like a Gordy. factory of well, that, greatness. Yeah, it was a factory, yeah. And I mean, that's just in the music industry, there was a line item that was for artist development. When you cut a record in the studio, you cut a record, but you have to learn how to become that record. Right. Or you're just singing like you're singing in the booth. How are you going to sell a ticket? How are you going to bring that music to life? What is that experience like? So I was obsessed with it from the beginning of the record and the artist and what that could possibly be. And then for Gaga, though. As artist development. So I took her through that stage and we understood what her passion was and what her goal was. Was it like... Were you guys doing like mood boards? Like, like specific? No, no, no. Like, mood, board, like, what, mood boards what, what, what are for, mood, mood boards are for like, <laughs> this is a new terminology. Okay. So, 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 so that's what I'm I asking. was the what mood board. I am the mood board. So <laughs> I'm not going to tell you my process. Okay. <laughs> but was it no. like, was it like a, uh, it was very, it, it was very, um, intense and real. I do covet that experience um, and leave it for the right moment to explain it. Uh, But it is my brand. I've done it with most of my clients. You don't have to give away the secret recipe. Okay. No, it's a real process, right? Yeah. Got it. But the process, what the outcome of that process is, is like determining and preparing her to be the Well, the outcome of that process is 65 million albums sold and the artists you now know. As Lady Gaga. That's the process. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's like you do things at such a high level. That's right. That there is no like precedent before it really to kind of explain it. Like right, I'm trying to. She was not anyone <clears throat> that come before and they told her that she wasn't talented and they they dropped her from labels. So it had to come from someone who had the ability to have the vision and to see what was great about her talent and what was great about the way that we could help her communicate her message, her music, and her ability to perform is not like just anyone else. We're not talking about someone who didn't come to rehearsal and do the work. We're talking about someone that was as equally passionate about the outcome as I was. Right. We were both theater kids. We both had the same understanding of the magic. And we both, as young girls, dreamt of this world that we created. Um, And it happened with Nikki and with Katie. And... uh, You did this artist development for them as well? Yeah. And the Jonas Brothers. (laughs) <laughs> and a lot of Demi Lovato and with Missy. I f- first met Missy. She was in a girl group called Sista. And I remember going home that night and being like, the one girl is a superstar. She's got, yeah. So obviously then came the rain. And and so for me, it's like the beginning of a painting, you know? And the ownership of that painting should be the artist, not the manager's version, not the label's version. Question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about how the business ended up as a result? Because you you undoubtedly had such an effect on these things. Do you feel that the business was fair to you for how much you contributed to it? No, I feel like you have to know what game you're in. And I was very young, so I didn't understand that not everyone plays fairly, right? 
uh, that's not a bad thing. That's just me having to learn. Um, you know, it's like the only way I could say it is like, you know, <laughs> Superman, hmm. they had to figure out what kryptonite was because it's too much good. You know, it's too much good. There's too much freedom in the artist uh, when Lorianne Gibson's in the room. There's too much true. It's like they were intimidated by the power. In them, there's too much. Not, and not with everyone, just with however you're managed or whatever your team is. I talk mm. about it in the book. I think it's step four, you know, is uh, creating the team that supports the ultimate yes in you. I called them, you know, the uh, yes agains are not good for you as an artist. You know, people that yes you to death right. in order to attach themselves to what they can't do and what they need you to do. Mm. So there is a place where when success comes, sometimes it's harder and harder for you to hear no because no, you feel like it means you're not who you are and you're selling X amount of albums. But no, no is not it. If there is a no, it's just so you can continue to sell those amount of albums. Yeah, so you want to make sure you have a team that ultimately supports the greater part of your yes so you never have to not be hot or not do what you love or not be successful. Were you always this way? Uh, unafraid to give pushback to artists? Yes. Do you think that's a big part of… That you, it, I never saw it as, oh, I'm giving you pushback. <clears throat> I only was in my gift, the one mm. gift that you asked to produce what was working for you. And many times I look uh, at myself and I think, was there any time that I ever did something that didn't create a win? <laughs> and, you know, there are very few times that I could go back and find that place. How do you feel about all of that? I feel like it's taught me to be the greatest version of what the next and what the continued superstars and collaboration need. They need me to be better. They needed me to be greater. And so I felt like I had to face the worst of times to understand that I could pull anybody up to the best of times and that mm. there was no door that I could not go through when I'm serving someone's dream or when I'm serving the art. And is, am I if right? that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. For I sure. had to. I had to or else I would not have understand my true abilities. Well, you can't take somebody to a place you haven't been. So the fact that you've been able to pull yourself out of the dark times and you've seen it, now when you work with a new artist, you can be like, okay, I've been through these roads before. There's quicksand over here. Well, not only that, I have the ability to see an artist the way no one else has seen them yet. Because if they're a new artist, then they're going to impact the world the way nobody else has impacted the world. And what do you want now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I keep trying to dig. I, I know you don't want to give away too much of the sauce and the, and the grand plan, but… I love the sauce and the grand plan. Like, my perspective is that you were so ahead of your time, even from a business perspective, that I don't think there was another choreographer that had an artist that had 65 million records sold before. So there probably wasn't even precedent to, I guess, 
take care of you in the way yeah. they deserve yeah, to be. Because you, you're to pioneering yeah, that level. That's right. That's of, right. Of I didn't add. have anybody to help me understand my position. That's right. correct. But, but now, you now do. I can help others understand their position, which is part of my purpose. And also, there was a Michael Peters before me, you know, who gave me insight. Even though I never was able to speak to him, I was able to study him or understand his process and now uh, try my best to impact the process with what I've learned and what I can pass on so that whoever's coming behind me will not have to feel alone when they reach that level of execution or when they're in that moment. And then that just expands the wealth of the industry, period, you know? So it's not yeah. just about even about you. It's about how you can set up the next Lorianne. Yeah, that's right. To, to do their thing that's but, right. and not be taken advantage of. That's right. That's a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in it. I'm really glad you exist. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. That's why I wanted to come see you because I saw all my friends coming here and I wanted to have an understanding of why you're doing this. But I also wanted to have a place to talk about what we do, not just necessarily attached to the artist. Yeah. But understanding who we are and not being afraid to acknowledge a Lorianne. Yes. Right? Because then that shows that we're knowledgeable of the impact. And that makes us stronger as a unit. And when you say us, you mean choreographers. Meaning the entire dance community. What's your relationship to that community now? I love my community. I don't know that. Um, I mean, I don't know that they have enough information always on mm. the reality of what I do and what I've done. But I know that that continues to get revealed like you. Yes. And I think my work speaks for itself. But I also, uh, whenever I work with dancers, I tend to empower them in a way where I never like to call them backup dancers or I, 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 I'm not very kind to um, not acknowledging the power of what we do and also teaching them about the actual gift of dance and the power that that has and what else you can do as a result of it. What message would you wish every dancer would understand? Like if you could send this message out, it would get to the minds and hearts of them. What are some key truths that you want to pass on? I think that you have to decide very early what type of dancer you want to be. It's like mm. a warrior. What type of soldier do you want to be? You know? Um, are you just in it? to get the money, to get through, to stay in the back. You're not a frontline. You've got to decide what type of dancer you want to be. And that will dictate the choices you make. And there's room for mediocre. There's room for I'm, you know, it just… Uh, so what you're saying is be clear on your identity and then act accordingly, right? That's right. Because we and if you don't know at first, each circumstance will create a challenge for you to decide, right? For example, if there was a job 
that I was in that I felt uncomfortable about or someone wanted to sleep with me or something other than how good I danced, right. I just left. Right. <laughs> I wasn't into trying to move somewhere as a result of something that wasn't about the dance, mm. <laughs> which creates a different type of, uh, you know, reaction to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I had to had endure, boundaries. I had to endure, endure those yeah. choices. Yeah. It's not easy the when you're an outsider. Yeah. yeah. So there are, there are rules. And if you do decide, you know, very early, I wanted to be respected. As all I, for some reason, that word kept resonating with me. And so when I decided that I then began a journey that was like hell. How so? It, it just came in all forms. When you decide to stand up for yourself. No, <clears throat> when I decided that when I walked in a room, I wanted my name to be respected. Mm. I didn't say liked, <laughs> right? Respect is when you can be held accountable, when you can create under any circumstances, when you're given any amount of money, when the outcome must be the outcome. Yes. Right? So that's taken years of experience. Um, but when I decided that, every circumstance that would have me challenge that, I went through. Mm. Where you would have to literally choose that in order to be that. Yeah, you know, it's If funny. that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's like if— You have if, to be if, careful. If life was like a, had like a menu, right, of all these different choices, I, I see a lot of times people don't consciously choose to win. And I always found that interesting because we all start with different circumstances, but I've met people that consciously are not even trying to win. Well, because winning so, is different for each person. Whatever that yeah. is. Not winning materially. Winning, I, I think sometimes people forget that they can choose to win and, well, and, and go for it. the overall mindset of mm. what winning is is so one-dimensional that it's not one thing. So we're not taught to embrace winning in the smallest things. We're taught winning is some big external uh, place of uh, right. and yes, but there are always moments of winning and there's always moments of establishing what your win is, but we don't cater to that because it's not familiar. Um, yeah. Well, and like, so what's winning to you? Cause like for me right now, winning is, is how much free time I have after I work as well. Because it used to be I just want to work all the time, seven days a week. But now I was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, well, me working extra days is not going to give me more work. It's like I need to, I see the power in taking days off to come up with great ideas for the next thing. So part of winning for me is having time to reset. That's part of my formula now. It used to be just work till forever, you know? Winning for me now is... I don't know, being able to have fun while I do it as well. Like, like winning changes for me, right? What's winning for you? Well, I think it's, it's twofold for me. One part of me that is the natural part of me when I'm outside of the gift, winning is, you know, waking up healthy, breathing. Winning is me being in sound mind and body and, uh, you know, having a really strong spiritual connection. That's me in the in 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 Lorianne, right? Yeah. 
when I'm boom cack, when I'm in the gift, winning is absolutely dominating the vision and making mm. sure the execution, I have nothing left to give that moment. Winning is global domination for my dream. Mm -hmm. Winning is absolutely taking territory and producing something that every single dancer can stand on and become all that they want to be mm. without having to adjust the power of the gift. And is that, what is Boomcack as a company? What is the mission for it right now? Like what, what? There is a mission. There is a huge uh, deal that I've done that I can't particularly talk about it, but I'm going to come back and talk to you about it when I can. Um, but it is a door that is tough to knock down and will be knocked down and is being knocked down. Um, but boom cag was something that, that happened on making the band, right? <laughs> um, but obviously there are components to my company, which is choreographer, creative director, creative producer, visionary. You know, I have a, a recording imprint. I have artists, I have management. So it's a multimedia, right? It's definitely a multi-creative visional company, um, but Boom Cack was a sound I made, obviously, Boom Cack, when I choreograph and other people have sounds, but Boom Cack is definitely my heart and my soul. It's kick, drum, and the snare. It is the rhythm to how I move and how boldly I move and how unapologetically I move because I move in the inspiration to allow that person to be themselves. And if you are inspired by it, and if it is good, then be of good faith and be okay to acknowledge greatness in someone else because it's in you. That's why you can see it and acknowledge it. Yes. But we're taught to not because it's the fear. No, acknowledge it. It is okay. Yes. Because it will only produce that within yourself versus like, you know, the dance community is like, ah, popularity, no baby, no. When that music drops, when that show curtain opens, you must be the best version of yourself and give of that gift. And that's enough. And that feeling of giving fully, yeah. that's a great way to measure. Like a couple of nights ago, I was finishing this edit till like three in the morning, which I normally don't do super late night sessions anymore. But I was like, I cannot go to sleep until I feel happy about this particular edit, you know? Yeah. And even though I got That's like, your work ethic. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, even though I got less sleep, I woke up with energy the next day. Yeah. Because I had this like- Get it out. It was like, yeah. ah. Yeah. Like it's like a creative orgasm. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going to- Yeah, <laughs> till I'm we like get that. a finish. Yeah. Yes. It, it's a, uh, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. I wake up in the middle of the night. I write stick people. I, yeah, I'm very much- tortured by that person's goal or their dream or the artist or they'll talk to me and they'll see it. And uh, yeah, yeah, my process is very much um, where I am deeply in the process. Are you an early person or a night person? I'm a, I don't know. I don't know. I'm do not whatever. really uh, driven by time. I'm. That's a cool answer. Yeah. <laughs> So wherever it needs to happen, it happens. Yeah, I I mean, I'm more of a seasons person. Yeah, I try. I'm not really like driven by man's clock. I feel that. 
Yeah, because there's times where yeah, I mean, I have wisdom. Come. I know it. I'm never late. I understand well, no, two no, weeks no, to produce I, something, right? I guess, but what I in meant my was process, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm just in my night, process. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. In, when I'm in my process, when I'm in my gift, there's really no time or space or or anything. There's there's a different level of process, but that also takes a seasoned artist to understand when you dip into it how to come out of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I don't like sticking to a routine too much. I do temporary routines. Where like for a couple weeks, if I'm working on a particular project, we have a routine for that project. It might be a particularly early project or whatever. But then it's like, if I just keep working at the same way, it's, it drives me crazy. Yeah. I have to do it then a completely different way the next time. Well, you have a different capacity. Yeah. Someone else at that level, there are a lot of people that are okay with that. They become part of a system that produces the idea of it. And we need that, you know, that's just, There's nothing wrong, yeah. nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but you know what tapping, I'm saying. Tapping yeah, into yeah. what's right for you. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I, I feel like I relate to you vibrationally a mm-hmm. lot because I think we look at rules as just suggestions for the most part. Like if somebody says, this is all yeah. you can do. You're like, all right, kind of, maybe, maybe not. And I, it's like, mm, let's try it a different way. I or don't this. think I, I don't, think that I ever looked at rules. I I never looked at them like rules. I never looked at them. In, I just looked at possibilities. <laughs> yeah, but I looked at truth versus mm. untruths. So if a rule was a truth, then I looked at the truth. Right. Right? Not but if, just not listening to any rules just because of rules, but actually looking at I the truth I looked at of the it. truth of something, yeah. And yeah. then the untruth. That's how I felt about yeah. school. I, I left high school when I was like 16 because I was working on set. I was already editing music videos for like wow. BET when I was like 14. Wow. And I was like, all the people I met on set, they weren't from school. Or if they did, they barely graduated. I was just like, oh, okay. So I was like, I, I'm pro learning, but I realized I didn't need a film degree. So then I was like, I'd be better off just leaving school early and just kind of working full time on music videos. Yeah. <laughs> that became my education, you know? Right. So I knew that there's a truth of education, mm-hmm. but the rule of you have to go to school, I was like, not really. Right. Kind of, maybe. Most people probably should. You yeah. know, I see rules as like general guidelines for most of the population. Yeah. And some people n- might need it to <clears throat> like, Take apart what they need to take apart to stay on their road. But generally, uh, it's an individual thing. But um, I'm really a firm believer on inspiring the muscle to choose rather than tell someone how to do Something. I really like that. We need to like take note of I'm that. I'm not giving you any. See why I'm not giving you any of my jewels? Yes. Well, I mean. Yeah, you got to get the book, kids. The, <laughs> because if, if you just yeah. tell somebody what to do, yeah. then they're basically. Well, and I have no judgment. So how dare I? Yeah. Who am I? But empowering them to make a choice. The muscle to choose. The yeah. muscle to choose. Right? Yeah. It's like developing discernment. It's, yeah, because it needs to be strong when you face um, a world that might not reflect your dream at that moment. How do you keep going till it manifests? You must establish that muscle. 
What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> I feel like you have Nothing. so many jewels that back. are hidden <laughs> in the in, in in the treasure box right now, and I'm like, okay, we're protecting the treasure box. We are protecting the treasure box because you just want to inspire that. the kids to uh, the have book. a moment, buy the book, <laughs> and have a moment to not feel judged or oppressed, or I'm never going to be like that, or I have to do it like that, or you know, there's negativity in why Lorianne did this or why she needed to do that. No, there's only a purpose and power in me facing what I had to go through in order to have the opportunity where, you know, artists understand the power of my commitment to their vision, to their album, to their outcome. That's earned. That's earned. That's not a title you just slap on somebody. No. And I hold that very dear to my heart because they know when I walk in that room, I've made the decision to serve their gift, to serve their dream. That empowers me. They know. And so dancers know. We know. We must be more confident with walking in the knowing rather than conforming to what will not serve you in the end. Mm. But I'm good with that. I'm good with my artists knowing. Um, and like I said, I hold that to the chest because... You know, uh, what I do with them is is private. It's purpose-driven. I will never reveal um, something that should not be revealed. But there is inspiration in, I mean, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah, one day. No, sure. no, 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 not no, one no, day. No, no, it's private, it's private. But yeah. the <laughs> purpose is about us, you know? It's about my community. It's not about. Um, anybody else. It's about what I do and who I am. I'm very inspired by your aura. <laughs> yes, aura. Well. You have a commitment to serve that's very deep. Even in how you weren't fully giving me details. Okay. But the way you were saying them you have a lot of reverence for the value you add. I don't know if reverence is the right word. I feel that you really respect the mission that you're on. And you feel like everybody should, but you really do. Like even the way you speak about it, it sounds like you'll do whatever is necessary to transform, connect, awaken, unleash the yes, greatness. That's right. You're there. That's right. I walk the walk. I talk the talk and I dance my dance. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's important to me. To You're important authentic. to the culture. Well, that's really good. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I am in a season of learning how to receive, and I am, but it, it is— um, Receiving compliments? Or just in general? You know, because there's more to do, right? And um, there's just more to do. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I just want more for the dreamers, for my clients, you know, you, the dancers, you just, there's more to do. And to I mean, I'm dealing with it. In privately, I take a beat or two because there is acknowledging so you can understand how to go harder, right? Um, So I do review certain things so I know how to win bigger. Do you take time off? Do I? Uh, Actual time off? I do. I do. When I'm, I come out of the gift, yeah, I'll definitely am known to lock myself in my room and watch Netflix all day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Time off, yes. Definitely, um, I do. Maybe, I do. And I know that I do have uh, a lot of opportunity to um, go places and while I'm work while I work, I am very blessed to, you know, have the opportunity to go all around the world and see so many different people. So I don't know that like I'm wired to take time off from such a blessed life, you know? So I do Is it hard to take time off? I do listen to my spirit. I do listen to God's clock. And there's times where I think in an artist process that your rhythm, your dance, it takes on a different beat, takes on a different flow. And I give way to that cadence. Mm. And I know, okay, let me just two-step. Today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't like to be like, oh, take off, right? Because I don't want to dictate the capacity that I have to be great. And maybe off is the wrong word. Yeah. Because I was just thinking about that. Because before I spoke to you, I was out in the pool getting some sun. And I was like, this is technically part of it. That's right. But you got to listen to your rhythm. Because the dance, your dance, once you dance and you produce and you dance, there's a natural way that you warm down. There's a natural cadence to the gift where you'll be like, okay, spirit. And that's where you have to, if you say, train yourself to trust your process Mm. instead of looking for something to do when your rhythm is to sit your ass down. Yes. Are you guys going to head out? Okay. Thank you so much for oh coming. Oh my God. You know, Thank you um, for having me. I just want to give you your flowers. Oh. You are a major contributor to culture. You're a genius. You're a visionary. I can feel that there's so much in your head and in your space. I'm like, ah, I can relate. Yes. It's like there's lots to do. Yes. Lots to create. And I'm so glad that you're doing it and that you're, and that there's even more to come. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your gifts. 
Well, thank you like, for you and this yeah. this space. Yes, baby. Auntie loves okay, you. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. see you all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, Kim. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if nobody lets you do that, <laughs> then don't let them back in daddy's house. <laughs> um, well, thank you. I know you got a busy schedule. No. Yeah. I-, I hope to catch up with you again. Yes, thank you. I want to say yeah. thank you for having us. And everything that you're doing is so sparked with so much vision and stay the course. And ultimately, yes, I will be back several times because this is my home (laughs) and I know that I can communicate to my community where it's about us for us. So I will definitely be back with some big news and we can continue to build. And if you just want to talk even off the camera, I'm here. And however I can support your mission and what you guys are doing, let me know. I'm a big supporter. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. Lori Ann Gibson.